hello to the five people who I must, I just have to assume, are not aware that other podcasts exist, who regularly seem to be listening to this. You are part of an exclusive club. I think maybe you're, you were drawn in by the decent recording of a meditation, a guided meditation, expecting more of that. For your sake, I will try and record just more good English translations of sutras, maybe. Maybe some good guided meditations if I find something else that there isn't already, you know, a thousand versions of online. The reason that I published that one was for that reason alone, is that I just could not find a single really good um, dissolution of the elements of death meditation. You can find a million meta-meditation, a million mindfulness meditations, and, you know, not to disparage either of those, those are core practices. I just couldn't find, um, you know, find a handful of guided dissolution uh, meditations on YouTube that I really still liked uh, Joan Halifax Roshi's meditation better than those, and I couldn't find audio of that one, so I figured I'd just record it myself so I could listen back to it. And if anybody else wanted to, they could. So, I will try and at, you know, ever-expanding circles of good, you know, offer up other choice dharma offerings that weren't written by me or aren't rambling discussions of my day in life, my God. Um, and maybe, and I'll try and make that the distinction clear in the titles of the episodes so that you can stop listening to these day logs unless you really want to. And if you do, by all means, continue to. If you're getting something out of it, great. I hard-pressed to imagine something <laughs> more, more boring, but it is unique. Maybe you're a, a real kind of uh, artisanal, small, small batch podcast <laughs> listener. Um, this is... This will be a combination of day two and three of my extreme 30-day meditation challenge. Which has gone wonderfully, which I believe still is a good idea. Yesterday, I was out, uh, I spent the night out at the lake with a friend, and that's why I didn't record. I left the ele all the electronics behind at home, might as well get a break. Do you know, uh, in the past, 
camping, and by in the past, I mean, you know, a few months ago. I think that, well, the last time that I went camping was actually July 4th, the last time that I went um, camping out there. It's been forever. Uh, that feels like forever to me, anyway, um, for camping. But a lot's happened since then. But if even if I if I had gone just a few months ago, then camping would definitely be an exercise in how much weed can you smoke, and if not, also how fucked up drunk can you get? I don't have anybody to go camping with besides this one guy who smokes weed all day every day not for fun i mean it's not fun for him anymore really it's it's management for anxiety he doesn't really have many other coping mechanisms set established yet um and he's got real intense anxiety as well and you know i mean i, I managed to I managed to definitely, at some points on the way out and while there, have some have some craving. You know, it can be difficult to look at look at the things that seem a little bit more harmless, and say, you know, am I I really have to completely renounce that? I think smoking pot has done me no. No real favors. I mean, for most of my life. Um, I've certainly learned from from the experience, as I've really learned something out of each of these drug experiences, simply because I think it's it's educational on some level to experience altered states of consciousness, just like it, it can be educational just to travel without any real intention to learn anything, simply by seeing the, the distinctions between different states of consciousness. You learn something about your baseline, ordinary state. Um... <laughs> But, uh, uh, I feel like, but I've definitely, it's definitely made me really lazy, really unmotivated, forgetful, you know, and spent, taken up a fuck ton of money over the fucking 11 years or whatever that I smoked it. Um... So, there's that. But it certainly doesn't have the same level, it doesn't produce the same level of craving or of destruction that even alcohol does. Certainly not the opiates. And, but, uh, yeah, if I, if I have a couple drinks, it's hard for me to enjoy having a couple drinks. I don't, it's, it's like, because the second that I have a couple, I, it's not that I don't enjoy that feeling at all. 
It's just that such an intense craving to continue drinking comes up that it's very restless, antsy, unfulfilled kind of enjoyment, you know? It's um, like, yeah, this is nice, you know, but if I don't have on the next drink in my hand, then I'm then I'm going to have to stop and go get it. I'm not I I don't sit there and just sort of savor being slightly buzzed. I'm like, oh yeah, this is nice. It'd be awesome if I was super fucking drunk. Um it's been like that for a long time. So and and, and since I know from experience it's an it that it's not necessarily that way when I smoke pot, but I I really can sit there and have many many times just had, I'll, especially if it's good strong pot, have a hit or two, and be like, whew, yeah, that's enough. All right, and just kind of enjoy that for several hours, and just no, nowhere near the kind of sort of in, intensity of the craving or of, you know, I mean, I can get really, really high, but the worst thing that happens is I will not, I will not get any work done, so, and I might be really awkward and nervous, might spend some money on junk food, so when you, when you compare it to what happens when I get fucked up drunk, or what, what happened out of doing opiates, it's easy to be like, oh, man, I really have to give that one up. But it has taken a lot of my time, a lot of my money, a lot of my motivation, my concentration. There's so much I could have gotten done if I had not smoked pot through all those years. Um, and that does mean turning it down on a... Turning turning down doing it once. I mean, if you if you can look back and be like, oh, I would have saved so much money if I hadn't done this over all this time. Well, that has to start somewhere. I could, over the next 10 years, not smoke a pot and get so much more done, save so much money, and it's never going to look like that at the, at the, the one instance of smoking it. That, I'm, that I would be considering in the moment, oh, I could smoke right now. Well, that's the only way I could possibly get to years of, of benefit from not smoking pot. Same with anything else, any other kind of discipline, any other kind of renunciation. There's a consistent renunciation is built up by not doing it the one time that you think about doing it. So, but that was difficult though because of all of my associations with camping for as long as I can remember. Uh, basically, that you'd be rolling, I'd be rolling a joint on the way there. You know, the second that it's like, okay, we've really, we're really packed. We've no more errands to run, no more stops to make. We are on the road out there. All right, I'm lighting this sucker up. You know, and just. To the point where by the time that I'm back, I'm just like brain dead. Don't want to make eye contact with people. I'm so awkward. So fucking stunned for so long. And was, uh, 
So there's a little craving, especially knowing that the dude that I'm going with is gonna. I had to take a break. Now I eat. I am outside. So sorry for that jarring segue. But I was saying that, uh, especially knowing the dude that I was going with is going to be regularly smoking throughout. And him and I, we've known each other a long time. Did I already say that? Um, and, I mean, the reason that I am still, that I still spend time with him is at this point is basically because he himself is interested in, I mean, he, he has known for a long time how much suffering drug addiction has brought to his life. And for a good while, you know, we would be commiserating with each other about like, man, you know, this is really, this isn't fun anymore. It sucks. This is kind of just a bunch of bullshit. Um, I was able to, I was living with him for several months. Um, and I was able to sort of get out start going to refuge recovery, start putting some serious effort in, and get clean. Um, he's now, and, but now when we are hanging out, it's almost exclusively in this kind of context where it's recovery related, and um, that I will go over to his place and you know we will meditate together we'll do a guided meditation he's very new to meditation very new to uh, it's not entirely new to Buddhist thought but new to a more systematic approach of trying to really learn and understand uh, you know Buddhist concepts and Buddhist psychology and lifestyle and such um, but, um, so anyway, you know, I'll, I, I will go over to his place and we, we will do a guided meditation and we might, you know, he has a really hard time reading. So I will, I have a couple of times now I've read a chapter of the refuge recovery book out loud to him as he followed along out of his own so that he could, he can like gradually get through the book. Um, and then, you know, we'll just kind of have just talk, you know, I mean, discuss some of the concepts in the chapter. I mean, it's like a, a kind of house call refuge recovery meeting um, because he can't make a lot of the ones in my local chapter because he works during the time that they are held through the week. But he's been trying to make the, the two on the weekend, which has been great. But so, you know, I, I'm not going over there and, and just hanging out all the time with him smoking pot in front of me. And though even during those times, I mean, pot is such a regular part of his life uh, that he's just not willing to go without at this point, that even during those, those brief times, like, I mean, he'll go out to the back porch to smoke a few hits, like... Um, I've just kind of, you know, got this arrangement of like, just please don't smoke directly in front of me, you know, just, let's just,
kind of keep it chill. You know? It just, like I said, that that doesn't trigger a lot of cravings or anything, but in this setting, it managed to trigger some amount of like rationalizing and some not so much rationalizing because I wasn't at any point seriously considering um, smoking but it was just more that these thought patterns that that start to start to enter the mind that make you forget to some degree why you're doing this um, start to make it seem like a difficult chore rather than something to be joyful about, something to be happy about. Uh, I don't, I don't sit around no, in any other situation, in the other context. You know, like bummed out that I, I can't quote unquote smoke pot. Um, that's just not how I see it. So it's, it's. Uh, it's definitely a kind of trigger, despite the fact that it's not the same way that I normally conceive of craving after having quit uh, the morphine and codeine and shit. Um, but it is still, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a conditioning, a mental formation that, that's triggered, which is one of the scum does. One of the five psychophysical aggregates is variously translated as mental formation, conditioning, or perceptions. Um, but where I start to I start to see things differently temporarily, <laughs> where where it starts to feel rather than oh how wonderful uh, that I'm not doing this anymore, you know oh look at all this time and energy and stuff on my hands and and these you know, all these goals that that I want to achieve that are going to now become truly actually possible for the first time um it's more oh damn it it sucks that i can't like there is no can't for renunciation if you are choosing not to do it <laughs> i mean i haven't i haven't been incarcerated i chose to give something up and this if you're listening and you don't struggle with drug use you know or you do drugs or you know you smoke pot or you, you drink socially um, and it's not a big problem for you, you know. But there's there's anything else that you do struggle with letting go of. It applies to, to all forms of renunciation. It's not just drug use. Is you know that there will be times when you've when you've got to notice that that switch in the way that you're thinking about it, of this this kind of bummed out that you can't is uh, it's just a is, is a delusive thought because you can you chose not to so you have to consciously remind yourself why you chose not to um, when when those thoughts arise and you know it's 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 subtle and it's it's complicated. It's difficult because we've we're, there isn't one fixed self that is like I know what I want. That's just not how it is. And this applies to you whether you do drugs or not. Again, that at at one moment you know you will be convinced that you are certain of your desires, and at another you will desire something mutually exclusive. 
to the previous desires. So sorting out which desires you should follow, which desires are wholesome in Buddhist terminology, is that, you know, because ultimately you might, might have sort of as an ultimate goal the, the extinguishing of all desires, or at least a transcendence of all desires, or whatever. It's, you know, I, I, I don't think it's worth getting into the, the subtleties of, of that at this point anyway, um, because it's just, it's just not in the practical consideration for most anybody to, to overcome all desires. It can be a kind of, it can be a goal point that can give you a direction. Um, for most of us, for fucking monks included, desire plays a role in your life. Um, I mean, if, if you're going to become, if you're going to go and shave your head and go forth and take on the homeless life, as they say in the suttas, and join a monastery, that requires desire. You will have to have a desire to get your head shaved. You have to have a desire to put on a robe. You have to have a desire to go live in a monastery. The, these are all desires. Plain and simple. It is simply, though, a conscious decision after much thought and, you know, and, and inner transformation of your emotional state as well, um, that those desires, you are willing to commit to those desires despite the fact that they will necessarily be at odds with a great many other desires. And so you are gradually attenuating the, the number and the intensities of your desires um, and be gradually reducing your suffering and increasing your joy and your love and your compassion um, to equanimity, your empathy. Uh, so. This is this is just you know one one example of a, of a renunciate a renunciation practice. So I was having that of like, oh yeah, is that conflicting desire actually showing itself again in this setting? But you know, getting out there, God. Now I've I've rambled on so long. I don't remember what I have said and what I haven't especially because I, I got interrupted. But basically that, you know, since I wasn't smoking pot, since I wasn't going to be drinking, um, I had a lot of time on my hands out camping. I mean, what, el what, what else is there to do besides you cook, you eat, you gather the wood for the fire in order to cook and eat, um, and you walk about, and you sit, and appreciate nature. And you know, meditation is two degrees away from sitting and appreciating nature. So I decided to just, I just meditated a lot. I fulfilled my daily hour requirement, and after that felt it felt so wonderful that I just, um, 
it a whole lot more. And that's that's something that's really is special and that's wonderful about taking the time to kind of it's it's sort of like a, a chemical reaction there's the activation energy that's required to get it started that if you can get over that hump of the amount of time and effort that is required to settle and center the mind enough to start to enter into a rhythm with it, a, a rhythm that's, that's really spacious um, and feels very, very productive not necessarily always all, you know, bliss and peace and joy, though a lot of it, but certainly spacious at least. <laughs> Once you can do that, then doing more is a lot easier than even just starting is. That convincing yourself to sit down and do it can be a whole lot harder than um, than meditating for a second hour after meditating for one already. Like at that point, the main for me, anyway. I mean, I, I feel like the biggest issue are just sort of basic physical limitations. I mean, eventually, I might want to significantly change my posture because it might begin to hurt my, you know, too much and too consistently anyway, beyond just a little bit of discomfort. Um, if I've been sitting in the half lotus position nice and straight up, then I might go and want to stretch a little bit, uh, maybe sit in a chair, maybe lay back, even. Um, at least stretch before continuing in that posture. Or, you know, if, if you're really, really tired from actual lack of sleep um, and not just a little bit of sloth and torpor, um, if you're really hungry, if you really need to get up and piss, I mean, that, that's... <laughs> it's, it's, hard, it's hard to keep your, your steady awareness going if you've been eating a piss for a long time, you know, then you should get up and piss, you know. Um, I'm, not trying to, I'm, I'm not trying to punish myself, you know. This isn't, uh, this isn't an exercise in, you know, fucking uh, <laughs> excoriation of my sins out of my sinful heart. It's... Uh, <laughs> so I'm not, it's 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 not it's not this. I don't mean to give the impression that I'm sitting there, you know. Oh yeah, gotta, gotta keep going. It's like I think it it is worthwhile to put some serious effort into it, and even then, 
you know, put some serious effort into it if you have a fairly clear idea of what you are doing. If you have a pretty solid understanding of the, the theory, of an understanding of what meditation is and what it isn't, and you know, how to handle different circumstances that arise in meditation, and some sort of basic goals of the practice. And if you don't have that, then learn by reading and by practicing in a gentler way. Like, don't... I, I don't think it's, it's not an effective practice to put a great deal of effort into a sort of half-cocked attempt at what you think meditation is, because you could just as likely just be sitting there giving yourself a headache or, you know, trying to produce some sort of imagined, some sort of state of mind or experience that you imagine is associated with enlightenment because that's the kind of idea that you got. I mean, I've, I have also done that, but years ago, and I learned in part through attempting that and, f and failing and, you know, and coming up kind of the hard way against, like, this issue of having had some, you know, really blissed out kind of transcendental experience and then putting a lot of effort in trying to recreate that experience until, and, and just wasting a lot of time and energy and and kind of it's it's just a, another form of getting stuck um and meditation isn't about getting stuck even though even when you're working on the aspect of concentration it's it's a subtle distinction i suppose until you start practicing in case there's anybody who would be listening to this who hasn't already been practicing meditation for a while i don't know Maybe you're listening to this because you find it very interesting to learn about it. But it's much better resources to learn about it from a beginner's you know, approach. Who knows? I, I, you know, this is, this is, I should not even worry about it. This is still a, th a good therapeutic exercise for me to be exploring these thoughts. I have no idea why anybody would be listening to it. So I shouldn't waste time thinking about it. If there is anything specific that you'd like to hear my, you know, experiences with, feel free to fucking comment on Overcast, and not Overcast, on CastBox, because that's the only podcast app I listen to, and that's an app that I use to listen to my recording of Roshi Joan Halifax's Death Meditation. So, potentially... I don't know, or I guess podcast, or just comment directly on Anchor, which is what I use to make this. If there's something that you'd like to hear, a question that you'd like answered, I would answer it to the best of my ability. I'm not an empowered Buddhist meditation teacher, um, or a Buddhist scholar for that matter, but uh, you know, just a personal question. Other than that, you know, these are the grits I'm serving. They're gonna be the grits that you eat, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but
But anyway, yeah, you know, that, that I'm reminding myself by taking on this longer practice how, um, how powerful it is to take on longer practices because I've been practicing 20 minutes a day uh, for a few months now again and that's been wonderful I mean it's been such a huge leap forward from having completely fallen off my meditation practice for a long time um, but there's something that more dedicated a longer dedicated period of time for for meditation can begin to accomplish that you can reconnect with parts of yourself and have insights into deeper layers of the practice that you you just you just can't if you only if you only just sort of you meditate 20 minutes a day um, again not not to discourage anybody who thinks that that's a long period of time if that feels like a long ass time a lot of practice to you 20 minutes a day then don't you worry if you manage to meditate 20 minutes a day it will be very powerfully transformative for you um, if you're really pretty well accustomed to meditation but you know and used to practice a lot uh, but spent several years doing drugs then <laughs> like me then 20 minutes a day is also powerfully transformative um, you just know that there's that there's deeper that you could be going if you gave yourself the time to do it and that's what I you know if you feel really stable and confident with those 20 minutes a day if that's something that you do you know and you feel like yeah you know that 20 minutes goes by quick I know what I'm doing it's then then do more like because it's it's amazing that you can you can move beyond that that stage of like all oh, right I'm sort of centering calming concentrating seeing some of this into like the the deeper layers of seeing through um seeing through layers of delusion layers of self-identification of of separateness of of and, and deeper layers of, of emotional tension of emotional defense you know, really opening up the heart opening up your your mind body connection and and getting getting into this really sublime connection with the present moment so out in the beauty of nature which I think is the absolute best place to meditate um, if you can swing it if the if it's not if the elements aren't too extreme I mean I was wearing a, a very breathable thin long sleeve shirt and I wear scrub pants um, because they're very breathable and cool as well but cover the whole you know, so I've got almost all my skin covered that that helps in a setting like that here in Texas in this kind of weather because of the amount of mosquitoes like is the worst thing um, when we used it you know got only had to use a little bit of bug spray on my hands and feet but out in nature with you know the, this beautiful expanse of water in front of me and the clear you know bright skies but I mean with some you know nice white fluffy clouds 
and the sound of the the waves is reminding you of impermanence, constant change. Um, just it's just just so easy to to want to continue. Um, and then, you know, I fucking slept on the ground that night and was exhausted the next day. And I found it really hard to get myself around to, to finishing up my, out, my one hour today. Sloth and torpor. It's one of the five hindrances. And if you don't know, the five hindrances to awakening are, and not necessarily in this order, I can't remember. Um, but the five hindrances to awakening, and I think there's other... There might be, you know, a fucking seven hindrances or ten hindrances in some other traditions. I know that the five hindrances are a good old uh, way of looking at it. Is there is sensual desire, aversion, restlessness and worry, sloth and torpor, and doubt or lack of confidence. Um, restlessness and worry is like one compound poly word and sloth and torpor is another example of that the way that you can kind of string together a few words into one big kind of compound in poly and in sanskrit um, but they they kind of they both are similar in, the, in that they you know the way that the translations i think are you know pretty good choices of words for in that they have they carry the connotations that were intended where it's they reflect both a mental and a physical aspect I mean restlessness is more physical and and worry is more mental but they are really similar kind of energies as it were to sound not to sound too woo-woo but you know what I mean um, and sloth and torpor so, you know sloth is a bit more mental uh, and emotional and torpor is more physical, but that they're the same thing. This kind of over-excitation or this um, under-excitation, this lack of balance. Uh, it's a, a similar concept, and uh, you might be you might come from a, the yogic path. Uses uh, the, the tamagunas, tamagunas, the the modes of material nature are rajas, tamas, and sattvas. And sattvas is like balance, rhythm, and rajas and tamas are like over-excitation and like dullness and, sl and slowness, respectively. So the restlessness and worry, I've, and I've got a lot of that tamas of the, of that sloth and torpor. It's a, big problem for me fucking wanting to just lay down all the time um, which you might not guess by looking at my skinny ass but that's just how my that's just where my baseline weight is it is not because I am any great uh, lover of work or exercise I ride my bike again now a lot, but I was I, I was the same size when I was fucking laying around on opiates all the time. 
and I still just have this mental fog and just a desire to deal with the mental fog by laying down. It's easier. Uh, I mean, I can lay down and, you know, awake on the phone or something all night long, but the second I start up and like wanting to focus and do something, it's sloth and torpor. And now is the moment where I try and recall why the fuck I started talking about sloth and torpor. <laughs> uh, who gives a fuck? It's talking about, well, it's... Oh, that's right, yeah, that I was exhausted today, and so it was, it was, it was hard to approach doing the meditation. But I did. I meditated at Refuge Recovery at 4.30, which this the meeting today I um, facilitated, actually. I asked people just to talk about, I brought up the phrase, strong back, soft front. I asked if people would share what made them lose that soft front, what made them tense up, where, and just the sort of shit that they were afraid of looking at. There are things that they feared, they might any if they felt shame or guilt or anger or any of these things. The stuff that they that they didn't want to include in their awareness so that they could get it out and find it easier to include holistically their experience and their mind and their awareness. I thought it was a decent topic. It's good shares. Got the twenty minutes like at every meeting and then um, I got the rest of it in because I was legitimately exhausted, like fatigued, physically fatigued, because I could barely sleep last night. As much sleeping as I have done outside, you still have to get kind of in the swing of it. You've got to get used to it again. Um, so a sort of one-off thing, you know, uh, on the ground is uh, hard to sleep more than a little bit, and that very lightly. And uh, I got, so I got the rest of it done, laying down, listening to a uh, fucking full circle here, guys. I listened to my recording <laughs> of, of Rosh Hashanah Halifax's Tantric Death Meditation. Um, and then just, you know, kind of then sat up and, and busted out the rest of it. Might have been might have been 55 minutes total i'm not sure i didn't time the rest i didn't time it but 45 minutes plus some just silent bare attention and you know i fucking love that meditation and listening to myself i'm like that was a pretty decent recording of it like, <laughs> it's it's funny to do a guided meditation that's your own voice you're like huh <laughs> <laughs> You've really externalized your inner monologue here. It's now your outer monologue. <laughs> <sighs> well, that's enough. Um, peace be with you. Good luck. I, uh, yeah, like, yeah, I can't believe you. If you've listened to this whole damn thing, that's a lot, man.